Welcome to the Making Real Sense podcast with Willie G. Davis Jr. Willie G. Davis Jr. is an educator and an attorney with a passion for people. He is a community activist, creative thinker, and problem solver. Making Real Sense is a podcast that discusses current events, education, politics, and religion. Life is complicated and sometimes we just need to interpret things in a way that we all can understand with clear meaning. The Making Real Sense podcast is for those who thinks deeply and seriously about issues and life. There are times when we don't have the answers to problems because we don't really understand the question or the situation. The purpose of the Making Real Sense podcast is to bring out the thinker in all of us. So let's get started with today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Making Real Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Willie G. Davis Jr. And today we're going to talk about all of this movement that Republicans are making countrywide to change the way we vote or how we cast our ballots. What's the reason for this? So let's talk about voting and while there there are over almost nearly 300 bills that are pending in 40 states that are dealing with changing the way people cast votes. And specifically, I want to talk about the actions that's taking place in Georgia with Senate Bill 241. But before we get started with that, I want to give a little uh background as from my perspective as it relates to voting. One of the first jobs, well not one of, the very first job that I took when I graduated from college was with the Voters Education Project. The Voter Education Project is an organization that was concerned about voter registration and voter education. I was a voter coordinator. So what I did mostly is I registered voters and I went out and I educated voters on the electoral process and the importance of getting out to vote. So I had voter registration drives almost everywhere in Fulton County. I went to public housing. I went to churches. I went to business. I went, uh, those who are familiar with Atlanta, I went downtown Five Point, set up a table. I set up a place almost everywhere and we registered uh, hundreds and thousands of voters because as a political science major, I thought that voting was important. That was a great opportunity for me just going out and registering people people uh, to vote because I thought it was very important. And another thing with me working with the Voters Education Project at that particular time was that I knew that it was an organization that the late Congressman John Lewis had been a part of. So that made it as much more exciting to me as anything. So that was one of the first things that I did was understanding the importance of registering and the point and also the importance of educating people on the significance of voting. Another place that I worked that also enhanced my understanding in voting was the Southern Regional Council. Now the Southern Regional Council, again, it was an organization, again, concerned with uh, voting and education and it 
and we address issues in voter registration in the 11 southern states. So one of my responsibility was to measure the progress that had been made in communities and also electoral politics as it related to candidates of color. So what I would do is look at what the number of elected officials were prior to the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and up to that particular time. And I would say this, that the increase in registration led to the election of more black office holders. So I, I, I saw that important, not just in Georgia, but in the 11 southern, southern states. So that was Alabama, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, Virginia. So I saw that up to the point that I saw the increase that took place in Virginia that led to the election that most people may or may not remember of Doug Wilder uh, being elected as lieutenant governor and then uh, governor and the increase in Georgia specifically that Georgia at one point was had the largest legislative black caucus with uh, probably about 30, 31 members. So I saw the change that took place because of the Voting Rights Act. So just Again, another historical point as I talk about the Voting Rights Act. As a graduate student, I did some research on, uh, I guess, one of the first and, and primary case that dealt with the Voting Rights Act, and that was South Carolina versus Kossenbach. And in that case, South Carolina was suing the Attorney General uh, based on the Voting Rights Act and it being unconstitutional. Well, uh, South Carolina obviously lost that uh case and the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was held to be constitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court. Now let me talk about two parts of that Voting Rights Act that we normally hear about. One is Section 5 and Section 5 is a ple- it's referred to as pre-clearance. And with pre-clearance it means that any change relating to any election laws had to be approved by the Justice Department. And prior to that uh, being approval, that there were means that were in place that a lot of us heard during the history prior to the 1965 Voters' Rights Act, that there were different means and different strategies that put in place that tried to diminish the importance of the black vote. Now, the other part of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was a section, Section 4B. Now, with that, it created a formula to determine what areas should be covered. So some of that was looking at areas, some of it was entire state, some of it was part of state, but the formula was based on looking at states that had a history of discriminating against black voters. So that was... Uh, section 4B, and then you had the preclearance of Section uh, 5. Now, since 1965, Congress has normally reauthorized the Voting Rights Act, even up to 2006, and that's going to bring me to where I leave with our discussion. In 2006, Congress reauthorized the Voting Rights Act for another 25 years. However, in the state of Alabama, every time we talk about voting rights, somehow we always end back in Alabama. I mean, the Voters' Rights Act, the uh, Bloody Sunday, it always come back to Alabama. So Shelby County in Alabama was saying that it thought that the Section 5 of the Voters' Rights Act was unconstitutional, and they sued the Attorney General at the time, Eric Holder, uh, for that. So that case is normally known as Shelby versus Holder. 
holder. As a result of that case in 2013, the formula for, I mean, Section 4B was found to be unconstitutional. And that opened the floodgate. Now, amazingly, Section 5 was not found to be unconstitutional. As I stated, Section 5 said that you had to get pre-clearance. But Section 4 determined what states or what areas needed to get pre-clearance. So once that section was found unconstitutional, then there was no formula, which means that there were no states that needed to seek pre-clearance. And that was the Shelby versus Holder case uh, in 2013. Now, after that case, then states started to take actions, again, that diminished black uh, voters because they did not have to get pre-clearance when it came to election changes. So there were changes that were taking place that years before it would have to go to the Justice Department to get cleared. Now it did not have to go to the Justice Department to get cleared. So that's opened us up where we are today. And let me relate how that comes about as it relates to Georgia and Senate Bill 241, which is a bill that recently passed the Georgia Senate 29 to uh, 20, basically on party uh, line. So in 2005, here's the interesting point. In 2005, the Republicans in Georgia who were in power passed what we called a no excuse absentee voter thing, which meant that you could make a request for an absentee ballot without having to show certain requirements that, hey, if you wanted to vote absentee, then this is what you, you just make your request and we'll send you an absentee ballot and you will receive it and you can cast it and you can vote. Nothing wrong with that. Republicans did not think anything was wrong with it in 2005 because they passed. So what happened? Well, we all know what happened in the election of 2020 in Georgia. Uh, Georgia turned blue. A Democratic candidate won the state and two U.S. senators were elected. And to tie on to that, then you had a president who was saying that the election was fraud, that there was irreal things were taking place, that it was illegal. And then once he started saying that you had other Republicans across the country talking about, hey, there's fraud, there's fraud. But there was never any evidence of any fraud in any of the election. This was even from the Justice Department with Attorney General uh, stating that. And even with House and, the House and Human Services, well, Home Services, saying, hey, there was nothing wrong with that. But Republicans had a problem with it because what happened is that people turned out in masses to vote. I mean, we had the largest number of votes cast for a presidential candidate. Joe Biden received almost 80, well, received about 81 million votes, and Donald Trump received 74 million vote. So people actually turned out and voted. They took advantage of absentee ballot, uh, just the protection that was given because of the pandemic and people not being feeling safe going to polling. So they, they cast ballots and those ballots uh, turned Georgia blue. So what happened? This Georgia the session starts in January and Republicans introduce a bill that in essence repealed the bill that they enacted in 2005. And why did they do that? Well, let's, let's make real sense of that. When people turn out and vote, Republicans normally lose elections. The easier it is to vote, Republicans lose elections. That's just the way it is, that the majority of the people seem to have voted Democratic, and when that happens uh, on a national level, normally Dem uh, Republicans would lose, lose elections. Now, the other part of the bill that was passed, that normally when it comes to absentee vote voters, normally those are Republican voters. Normally, absentee uh, voters are usually older, and they normally, for the most part, they vote Republican. So when the Republicans introduced the bill and passed it in 2005, it was to their benefit. They thought, hey, we're going to get more people that's going to support us because we know that we get large numbers of absentee ballots. That didn't happen in 2020. The majority of the votes that were cast, at least 
two-thirds in Georgia went to Joe Biden. Now, part of that problem was that, hey, you got a president saying that you can't trust that system. So maybe some of those people that would have used the absentee ballot to vote for a Republican just decided, hey, the president has said this can't be trusted, so I'm not going to vote. So that, that's what happened. So now you have this bill, Senate Bill 241, which says you have to be at least 65 years old uh, if you want to request an absentee ballot. You have to be out of your precinct. A lot of other requirements and and which actually would make voting harder for most people. Now, one of the rationales given is that we want to do something about absentee ballot because that it is hard on those that have to count those ballots. Now, think about that. If we send in an absentee ballot and there's too many ballots being sent in, then that's unfair to those county workers who have to count those ballots. Here's the other side of that. So if I don't cast an absentee ballot, that means my next option is that I have to go vote in person. So if I have to go vote in person, even with the income increase of absentee ballot being turned in in 2020, there were still long lines during early voting and actual election day. So if you're trying to protect the workers who are counting absentee ballot, then what about those who are working on election day? Isn't that more of a hardship than those that are counting absentee ballot? And why wouldn't your solution be let's just move the time up to request absentee ballot that will give people more time to cast it and for it to be counted? Point pin made, the easier it is for people to vote, the harder it is for Republicans to win elections. So this move in Georgia is basically, hey, there's an election next year, 2022, statewide election. And if people are able to vote as easily as they voted in 2020, then hey, Republicans are saying we may lose the governor position. We may lose the lieutenant governor position. We may lose the secretary of state. We may lose statewide if Democrats turn out like they did in 2020 to vote. So we're going to make it harder for them to vote. Now keep in mind, not only will the governor be running in 2020, but also the Senate seat won by Senator Barnard would be up for re-election. I mean, because he served in unexpired terms, so it would only be two years. So that's a target. Keep in mind that if we vote, if, if people were to turn out and vote like they did in 2020, then Republicans feel we don't win election. So that's why today we have nearly 300 bills passed in over 40 states that Republicans are controlling that are today trying to diminish the rights of people to vote, which is why Congress has asked that, hey, let's relook at the Voters' Rights Act and, and, and even gave it the name of John Lewis, and they don't want to vote on that. Because if you go back into making sure you want to talk about integrity of elections, then just make sure that you make voting an easy process. But if we make it an easy process, that's the Republicans have to think when they're not speaking it publicly but privately is that we will not win an election. We don't win election. If you look at recent presidential election, even some where Republicans have, have won, and in two instances would be uh, George W. Bush in 2000 and Donald Trump in 2016. Even in those elections, the majority of the people voted for the other candidate. So Republicans won those two races based on the Electoral College, which is another issue that I want to talk about at some time in the future. But for the most part, when you look at national election for president, that more votes are cast for the Democratic candidate than the Republican candidate. But in those two instances, uh, 2000 and 2016, the Democrat, even 
though Al Gore and Hillary Clinton respectively received the most votes, they lost because of the Electoral College. So here we are today, again, specifically in Georgia I'm talking about. I know there are other places. That Senate Bill 241 is now in the Georgia House of Representatives. That they're going to look at the bill and based on the party membership, it may it may pass. I don't know if it will be, well, it may be signed into law because you have a governor who has to run for re-election next year and he know that when he did win that he won an election that was extremely close. So if Democrats again are able to go out and vote without problems, then that doesn't help the Republicans. So why would you have a bill that says that we're going to remove, we don't want to have that many drop box where you can place a absentee ballot, that we want to eliminate the hours of early voting, that we want to eliminate the hours of Sunday voting. With the increase in our population, we need to be making it, making things easier for people to vote without having long lines on election day. Even with the move of having early voting, there have also been lines, even when that early voting may be a week or two weeks, there's still been a long line. So that is also an issue. But the Republicans in Georgia are looking at it like, hey, let's save our political future by doing something about people just turning out and using absentee ballot, uh, voting on Sunday and things like that. So here's, let's, let's make real sense of all of this. The main thing is that if you're in Georgia, you need to probably contact your senator, your house member, and tell them that you oppose any effort, any effort to diminish the right of people to vote. Why would you want to diminish the right people to vote in a democracy? So I would say, hey, call your house member, call your state senator and say, look, we we think this is wrong. But not that that may make a difference when the House and the Senate are both uh, controlled by the Republican Party. But it's not about partisan politics. It's about democracy. And that's what this whole issue comes down to is democracy. The right of the people for us to be heard, the right of the people to cast a ballot. And why would you attempt to make it harder unless you have some concerns about what the results would be if voting was easier? There has been no uh, illegality. There has not been any fraud based on what Republicans are saying. It, it's used as an excuse to try to change election laws. But absentee ballot is not a fraud. Hey, I have to be a registered voter to get that ballot. So now you're going to say, hey, I need for you to have a ID or Georgia driving license. That's part of it too. So what about, you know, some things we may not all think about, but some of our older uh, citizens don't have a driving license. They don't have a state ID. So now you want to require them to get an ID. You want to require them to get uh, well, some form of ID. So if you're going to do that, why don't you provide it to them free? Why don't you provide free driving license and free IDs to make sure people have this identification that you're requesting for them to vote to make it easy? I know you're not going to do that. It's just something that I'm throwing out that how do you make this process easy? How do you use the justification saying we want to make it easier for those counting those absentee ballots, but we're going to make it harder for those that have to work on election day and doing early voting because we're going to force people to get in line. And if I have to be at least 65 years old, then what do you say about that person, that college student who may not be 65 years old? And since that person is not at least 65, then that person does not qualify to get an absentee ballot. And if I'm away to college and I'm not close, then how do I vote? Can't drive home, or fly home just to cash a ballot. I can't afford that. So now you've lost that student's right to vote. And largely, who do young voters support? Democrats. There we go again. We have made an issue that should be about democracy 
partisan. And that's what Republicans are doing. So all of this discussion and all of this talk about protecting the integrity of our election. Well, it's time I think that we protect our democracy and make voting what it needs to be simple and easy and that the people have their vote and they can cast their ballot as simple as they can and not making it hard. Uh, we, you know, and, and re-look at the voting rights act. Re-look at that. It doesn't have to be a formula to say, okay, only southern states. Then it should be across the country. Any act of trying to change election law should be pre-cleared by the Justice Department, whether it's in Georgia or South Carolina or North Carolina. Even if it's in a place like Wyoming or Montana, look at it that way. Then you won't say it's unfair that you're only targeting states where minority voters are. Elections are important. Elections make a difference. So we need to find a way to make it easier, not harder. I'm just trying to make real sense of all of this foolishness of changing our requirement of voting and things like that. So think about it. just, I mean, it's something to really think about. If there has been no real fraud, if there has not been any real questions about the integrity of our election, then why is there a <laughs>